coincidentally you meet someone who has the same genes with you and then when you're having a child it's just by chance anyway because you can have five children and only one or two have albinism so it is just by chance that when you're having a child you pass on the albinism genes to this child and if you ask but where did i get the genes well the genes are just inherited from parents so it means you got them from your parents and your parents got them from their parents and it goes back like that listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For anyone who is new on our platform, this is a space that allows myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of an immigrant status. We unlike the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe, like, share, and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. Now, this is exciting. Our guest today is a singer, a police commissioner, He's also the inspiration behind the movie, Can You See Us? Now playing on Netflix. This is a must-see movie. I recommend it. It's a global story. It's our first feature film on Netflix from Zambia. I am so excited to be on the map, to be represented. And our guest is John Chiti, the first person with albinism to come out in the limelight in Zambia. He is an established musician and a disability rights activist. Mr. Chiti is a founder and technical advisor of the Urbanism Foundation, of which was the first urbanism organization established in Zambia. Mr. Chiti is also a commissioner of Zambia Police Service Commission, appointed by the Republican president. Mr. Chiti is a 2018 Mandela Washington Fellow, Yali, and also holds a Point of Light Humanitarian Award, recognized and signed by the late Queen Elizabeth II. Hi, Mr. Chiti, how are you? Hi, good to have me on the show and thank you so much. I'm doing fine here and uh, greetings from Zambia. Oh my God, I am so honored. It's such a huge honor to have you on, to have breakfast with you. It's six in the morning for me. It's uh, lunch for you, right? Yes, it is. It's a sunny hot day here and just having lunch. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I just want, first of all, to congratulate you on the movie. It's super inspirational. I learned a lot through the movie. And um, I wanted to bring you on here because of the message from the movie. And we obviously want to have people watch the movie as well. And uh, for people that are not able to, they can also hear uh, what you have to say here as well. So for starters, we could just start from... I, I can touch from the movie where you start. You started first of all. You are a musician and a police officer. Is that right? Right? Yeah, I'm. I'm a renowned musician here. I've been in the music industry since 2008, and many people know me as a musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, apart from that, I'm working in government. I was just appointed by the Republican president last year to be a commissioner for Zambia Police. 
So I, I'm not really a, a police officer, but I'm a commissioner uh, for Zambia Police. So this this position is uh, appointed by the president himself. He's the one who appoints commissioners for Zambia Police. So that is a job that I, I have in government. But apart from that, I'm a human rights activist. I've been advocating for the rights of persons with disabilities. I've been very active as an advocate and uh, working with organizations that speak for people with uh, disabilities. First of all, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your music. I'll take you back to you. where the movie also actually starts. In the movie, you are born by black parents and your dad rejects you from childhood. And this is all over in the internet as well. So I'm, I don't want to give too much of the movie because I also want people to watch. What are we missing from that beginning aside from that piece? Well, the scenario is as it is in the movie. It doesn't, it doesn't start well because usually when a child is born, the, the celebration, the mm. family rejoices, especially when it is the first child. Because when a, a new couple, a newly married couple, they are all looking forward to having a child. And the first child is usually celebration from the couple, celebration from the family, the neighborhood. But in my case, the story starts very different. Uh, when I'm born, uh, because I'm born different, uh, because I, I look white, I look different from my parents, from my family. There is confusion. There is, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, confusion, and which ends up to my parents divorcing because they don't really understand and they don't accept that I'm part of the family. So it, it starts at a very sad note where this child is rejected simply because uh, the child is born with a condition called albinism. So yeah, it is uh, what it is, and uh, many people. Are Albinism go through that kind of uh, this is how they are welcomed when they are born. So it's quite a sad scenario and imagine you are starting life uh, with that negativity. So you can imagine what follows the challenges because just from the beginning when a child is very innocent the child is rejected because people don't accept the condition the child has come in. Oh my god. Definitely a sad story. So if for people who are have never met someone with urbanism. How would you define urbanism according to you? Not even the Google Translate, the, the Google definition. Yeah, urbanism is basically a condition that uh, someone is born with. Uh, it's simply the lack of melanin. So something happens when a child is developing and some components fail to do their job, produce melanin. So melanin is just a component that gives you complexion. Uh, melanin also protects you from the sun. So for example, when you are working in an indoor environment, you look light because mm -hmm. the production of melanin in your body decreases. But if you are working an, uh, outside, you expose your smart so much to the sun, you look darker because the production of melanin will increase because the body wants to protect you from the sun. So that is what melanin does. So albinism is a condition where a child is born without that component. And for, for, for people to have such a child, they need to have the albinism genes and they need to pass on the genes to the child. So uh, coincidentally, you meet someone who has the same genes with you. And then when you're having a child, it's just by chance anyway, because you can have five children and only one or two have albinism. So it is just by chance that when you're having a child, you pass on the albinism genes to this child. And if you ask, but where did I get the genes? Well, the genes are just inherited from parents. So it means you got them from your parents and your parents got them from their parents and it goes back like that. So for example, me, I have albinism, I'll pass 
own diabolism genes to my children and my children will pass on to their children's children. So in the fifth generation, they will not know that uh, there was John Chiti who had albinism. And uh, my my grand-grandchildren will be very surprised to say, hey, why are we having this kind of a child? But not really looking back to say, hey, we have a grand, a great, great grandfather who had albinism. So people just forget where it is coming from and we can only advise them to look back that when you find yourself having a child with albinism, the genes are inherited from parents to children. If you look back, you find that actually it is not a strange thing. It is not a new thing. Somewhere, someone had these genes and there should be a person with albinism in your family before. Um, yes, actually, I completely agree. In um, Through my research, I actually also stumbled on that albinism manifests in all races. And it looking at the pictures, even on Google, anyone can look up this. It was really eye-opening for me. And because we didn't even realize that it manifests in all races. And because mostly it talks, it's, it's been talked about in Africa. Even on Google, it, it, it does say we have a lot of uh, people with albinism in Africa compared to other um, areas of the world. And therefore, everybody just says uh, black people have uh, the most prone to having children with albinism compared to other races. But it is manifest, it's manifest in all races, actually. So yeah, yes, it does. And yeah, I, I just want to have to say the, the, the reason why it is prominent in Africa is because because of the color difference. It is very visible because we are talking about a, a community of black people. So when you bring a white child in a black environment, definitely to, the child will stand out. But when you talk about whites, for example, whites having a child with albinism, sometimes you may not even notice, you can't even notice that this child has albinism because they look like a white person. But in Africa, it is more visible because Africa mostly uh, we have people who are black in complexion so when they have a child who is light it's very visible you can even see from afar that that child is different otherwise like I do agree with you that albinism happens in all races so uh, Mr. Chiti there's a lot of myths out there there's a lot of culture beliefs beliefs in witchcraft that uh, in today's society let's just say there's common beliefs that you know people can get rich if they uh, unfortunately harmed uh, a person with albinism uh, there's a lot of rituals uh, that are going on with uh, people with albinism how were you able to navigate the challenges that come with albinism and also given these type of myths and culture beliefs that go around yeah the, most of the challenges surrounding albinism come from people not understanding the condition therefore they speculate they, they are confused they don't understand it and uh, they try to you know have beliefs and sadly most of the beliefs are negative beliefs uh, the main idea is that people don't really understand what this condition is uh, some people think it is contagious they can catch it like the way you catch a cord so that makes them to avoid not to interact not to marry not to play with people with albinism because they fear to catch it and others like you are saying sadly they believe that uh, if they use body parts in rituals in black magic in witchcraft they'll make money or they, they'll boost their business or maybe they'll become you know a political maybe it's uh, elections time and people want to win elections so 
uh, people who succumb to witchcraft and uh, rituals and black magic, they tend to use body parts of people. And sadly, they believe that body parts of people with albinism have got special powers, which is very strange. And they believe that if they cut a part of the body, they will use it in blood magic and it will work. And actually, sadly, uh, the the body parts are are believed to to have power whether a person is dead or alive. And that is why you see like in Africa, even when a person with albinism is dead and they are buried, people still go to the graveyard to dig out the body and still cut off the bones because Mm -hmm. they believe that uh, even the bones, even whether the person is dead, they, they still have a magical power which is very strange to us and those are some of the some of the challenges that people with albinism go through so it's a it's a it's a very risky life because every time you are hunted you have to be worried about where you are going you have to be cautious about who you are talking to whom you are seeing because of the beliefs so people with albinism don't move freely they are not free they don't trust anyone they don't trust you they don't trust their family because they can be you know attacked and it is very sad now you can imagine living such a kind of a life where you are not free um it is quite sad but there are other challenges like cancer because we talked about albinism being a condition the lack of melanin yeah and melanin's job is protect to protect the skin from the sun so because people with albinism don't have that protection from the sun most of them are prone to skin cancer and they die from skin cancer which is as a result of the sun so it is very very deadly disease among both albinism and uh talk about pr- uh, climate change we are the most affected because uh, uh climate change has just become more dangerous to people with albinism because of the sun. We don't have that protection uh, from the sun. So people with albinism do die from skin cancer. Actually, statistics say that most of people with albinism die before the age of 40, and mostly it's because of cancer. So cancer, if they don't die because of cancer, then they'll be killed by those who are looking for their body parts. So it's quite a very, very you know, strange and uh, sad uh, welfare that people with albinism have to go through. Um, thank you for sharing that so for let's say the parents for instance myself if i have a child what advice would you give a parent uh, with a child with urbanism like how how do we protect that child well the, the most the first thing is information we have to give you enough information for you to understand that uh, that child is yours and it can be it is possible that you can have a child who looks white even if you are black and let me say that uh, from our experience we don't have much problem with women and uh, let me congratulate all the women out there because you stand with us the most culprits are men or the fathers the fathers find it very difficult to accept a child without albinism and 90 percent of the separations that happen you find that a woman is blamed uh this has to do with tradition because our tradition we believe that a woman is is responsible for the child that she, she bears and the man is uh, free so what happens is that the father will reject the child and will put a blame on the mother. They will say, maybe you went out with a white man or you did something. So for this, we do appreciate our mothers who take the blame and we suffer with them. So, But the, the message really will go to the men because they are the people who find it very difficult to accept that they can have a child without albinism. So one, there is DNA. If you are really not sure, you can go for DNA and do the test. Mm. And science is there to help us to prove whether that child is 
yours or not. So we are, things are becoming easier. So there is DNA and we're encouraging families to go for DNA and test. But the other information is that uh, we can explain what albinism is and how it happens. So that information is there. So if you don't know, if you are confused, we can explain to you and it will make sense. We can explain to you how come, how can you have such a child when you, you, are, you don't have albinism. So the information is there. There are even organizations that are looking into this welfare. So you can even join an organization where they will take more time to counsel you, to be with you, and to teach you how to raise your child. So now where we are, we should not really be uh, stuck because the solutions are there. If you don't want information, you just want to be sure, you can go for DNA and uh, the DNA will help us to prove whether the child is yours or not. That's amazing. So in terms of protecting uh, the child um, skin-wise, what type of uh, screen protection can we buy? Like sunscreen? Sunscreen. What type of sunscreen can we buy? Is that, can we just buy any type of sunscreens or? Yeah, so protection, uh, basically is protection from the sun. Um, you need to teach your child to avoid the sun. So even before we talk about sunscreen, there is the physical measures that one can do, physically avoiding the sun. Uh, you have to mind what day if you are you are uh, you are playing the child is playing soccer uh, maybe or you are in a place where you do farming mm. uh, you have a lot of outdoor activities so you need to mind what time of the day uh, we should advise parents to make sure that uh, they do the outdoor activities between 10 before 10 and after three uh, in the afternoon because and to avoid the the the, the, the when the, when it is very hot in the day like 12 at noon it is very hot so those are physical things and even just when you are walking i mean find a shade if you are walking in the sun buy an umbrella wear long long sleeved clothes and uh, so those are the things but there is also something that can help us which is called sunscreen this is a cream it comes like a lotion so you apply after you take a bath you apply it and uh, it will act as a chemical that will protect your skin from the sun so it has got different names uh, but from my experience there are some brands that we have used over and over and people have liked them they have recommended them when you are buying sunscreen something uh, the things you must pay attention to is that the sunscreen must have uva and uvb so you make sure that the bottle it is labeled uva uvb this means uh, because there are two types of rays that come from the sun uva and uvb so if you just have one uh, we need protection from both rays so the bottle must have uva uvb the other thing you pay attention to is the number the percentage so a bottle who have maybe 20 percent 30 percent 40 percent 50 percent the higher the number the more effective the sunscreen is so if you buy sunscreen which is 50 percent and above it is also very very good so you pay attention to the percentages you can also pay attention to the hours some sunscreen will last on your body for two hours for eight hours for the whole day so some sunscreen you have to apply maybe after two hours you have to apply again so you pay attention to the hours how how many hours does it last on the body and also there are some for children some for adults so those are the things you look for but in terms of brand and the names there are different brands and uh, individuals who have different preferences depending on the, the type of skin depending on what they like others they like sunscreen that have a bit of a perfume because they want to smell nice others so individuals who have different preferences but what i've talked about the UVA, UVB, the percentage, the hours, those are the things that you look for when you are buying 
when you're using sunscreen. In a country, so I, I, I know this is for a, a global audience, but in a country like Zambia, uh, we have rural areas and uh, for a lot of kids with urbanism, how do they get access to, a suns- to sunscreen? It is very, it's a very big challenge for them. Uh, they don't get access to sun. They don't have sunscreen. One, even when you want to buy, it is not there. You you won't find uh, chemistries or pharmacies storing sunscreen, especially in low areas. You can't even buy. It's mm. out of stock. It is found in the urban areas here in town. You will find it in chemistries, but it is expensive. So many families don't manage to buy the sunscreen. And uh, government is trying to make efforts to buy sunscreen and put it in uh, hospitals. So when government buys sunscreen, it is put in hospitals and the person with albinism should go to their hospital and collect for free. So government has done those measures. But the challenge that is there is that one, the purchase of sunscreen is is not consistent. Uh, so like right now, as I speak, we are entering the hot season here. We are going to October and sunscreen is not there in hospitals. It was there in June, but when we need it most in the hot season, it is not there. So there is no consistent when it comes to provision of sunscreen. The other challenge we have with government is that um, consultation. Remember the things I was talking about, about what you look for for sunscreen. Yeah. But uh, when government does not consult us, they just buy. Then, you know, they will buy sunscreen. Last year, we had a situation where government bought some, no, last of last year, government bought sunscreen and people with albinism didn't want it. They said, no, this is not a good sunscreen. It is overreacting, it has a bad smell, this is not a good percentage. So they need to consult us properly so that they buy the correct sunscreen. So consultation has to be good. But the other challenge is that distribution. When they buy sunscreen, our brothers and sisters who are in the rural areas, how do they access it? Only the house here in town can access it because we live near the main uh, hospital but think of the villages so there is no distribution so when they are buying they should also budget for distribution how do we distribute it to people with albinism in rural areas so we we still have challenges when it comes to sunscreen and we have a lot of cancer cases here because people don't have access to sunscreen lotions and uh, if you think of buying a bottle of sunscreen will cost about uh, 300 quarter 200 to 300 quarter a bottle uh, which is like maybe 300 to 350 meals and and an average person like me will need about two bottles in a month because sunscreen you apply it every day so you need about two bottles now think of a family that has gone through divorce think of a mother who has been divorced because she gave birth to a child with albinism they will not manage to be buying sunscreen every month for the child so many families don't even manage to buy sunscreen for their children oh my god thank you for that so i'll jump on to the movie uh for anybody uh listening the movie we are talking about is Can You See Us? It's on Netflix. It's a feature film inspired by our guest, John Chitty. How did the movie come about? Well, the movie came about when um, I met a, a filmmaker, a person called Lawrence Thompson. He's a renowned filmmaker here in Zambia. He has produced many films. He's very well known. And we met, we were doing a certain project. So when we started interacting, he became curious and he wanted to know more about me because he had been hearing my music, but we had never met. So when we met for the first time, he was curious, asking me questions. How did I grow up? 
uh, how did I become a musician? What challenges did I go through? So when we were talking at that point, as a filmmaker, he said, "Wow, well, you know what, John? Your film, your story can make a very good film. We need to do a movie about your life." I said, "Well, yeah, it's okay. It's a good idea." So that is how it started. And uh, some days later, he came back to me so that I'm going to write a script about what you are telling me. He said, "Fine." So after some time, he came back to me and said, "John, I have the script. Look at it." And I looked at it, and from there we started working together. I used to uh, guide him. I used to clarify certain things. I used to correct him. Say, "This is how you say it." This is how it happens. And there from, from there now we said, you know what? This movie has to be a good movie, so let's look for sponsors. So we started looking for sponsors and it took time for us to find someone who was willing to invest in the movie. And how we could show is that we could show them a script. We have got this story that we want to tell. Can you finance us? And when we managed to find the, the, the sponsors, then it was now time to put up a team. So producers, uh, the producer is Yasmin Dodia. She's the producer and the director is Kenny Mumba. So these two people were brought on board and now we started uh, holding auditions and uh, the rest is history. The movie is there. So this is how it started. Um, Rollins Thompson is the one who really thought about the movie as a filmmaker and uh, I didn't really think I would produce a film myself but I was happy because uh, uh, now my story can be told. Now people can watch that movie and be inspired from my story. Uh, we are definitely inspired and a lot of people are inspired around the world and we want to continue uh, for people to learn from your uh, from your story uh, really um, great cast I uh, am now a huge fan of Tavo and uh, through my research I didn't even know uh, she's acting as a boy in the movie yes and yes, I, came actually... to, <laughs> I, I came to find out she's a girl and oh, I, yeah. oh yeah I was wow brilliant really good actress and um, do you feel she actually told your story the way you wanted to? Oh yes, she did a very good job and she's another rising star that we are seeing and I'm happy that through this project we are raising stars, we are making more heroes and the story to that is that when we were doing auditions we couldn't find a boy that was uh, uh, very confident so we had a number of boys because our character needed a boy mm. but the boys that were there were not very confident. Uh, most of them were shy, most of them had never acted before. It was just a strange thing to stand in front of cameras and so we were stuck for a moment to say what are we going to do, we don't have a boy. And then we came across Tavo and Tavo is a girl and we are looking for a boy so at first we would not even consider her but when we ran out of options we said no let's have a, maybe we can work on Tavo and make her look like a boy. And so when the, 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 the team worked on her, and, well, we just had to cut her hair and do a visit and train her how to walk like a boy, how to talk. And, and she did a very, very good job. And uh, for me, I'm happy. And I'm happy that Tavo uh, is going to be another rising star that is coming up in Zambia. Definitely, definitely brilliant. Um, and how much were you involved in the in the movie? I mean, you, you're not in the movie. Um, were you behind the scenes? Were you, um, I guess, directing as to this is how you're supposed to, this is how I, I walk, this is how I, I behave? Were you behind the scenes in that way every day? Yes, so, so my involvement is I was the, first of all, I was the co-writer for the script as well mm. because uh, it is the script is based on my life. So uh, I had to confirm, I had to clarify certain things, I had to guide, so I was a co-writer. Apart from that, I was the technical advisor 
So I had to advise because this is an amazing story. I'm not, it's not just my story. So we are presenting a community here. So I had to guide them how uh, certain, what uh, certain things, they accept about certain things because at the end of the day, we don't want to injure the community. We don't want to injure people with albinism themselves. So there are certain things that I helped to guide to say this cannot be there. This, yes, this will be, you know, this can offend people. And also I was there to represent people with albinism. So it gave them confidence to hear that uh, uh, person with albinism. Look at, um, I gave an example of sunscreen. When 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 people buy sunscreen without involving us, you will not do the right thing. You have to consult us and involve us from the beginning so that we, are, we guide you. So the same thing happens on this project. I was there from the beginning. I was there. I used to go there when they are shooting. I used to go there, go through the script. Uh, when it was time for marketing, uh, last year the film was premiered here in Zambia and the Republican president came to watch it. Nice. So I've been there throughout the, the process as a technical advisor, but also as a co-writer and also as the inspiration uh, behind the, the, the movie. So I've been there in the background and behind the scenes. Amazing. Really uh, beautiful movie. It, there's a lot to take away from, from the movie on how um, humanity behaves in, in what we don't understand. And I actually love what your I guess the, your father told you, your stepdad, mm-hmm. what people don't understand they fear and what they fear they seek to destroy yes that alone when i got the the trailer because this is also in the trailer when i got the trailer this was uh sent to me via tech telling me you need to watch this movie and hopefully you could bring him on on concrete pastures i'm like okay let me see that touched my heart like right away i think it's just there is a lot that's said there and in so many ways it's not just urbanism it's just life itself like in life when we don't understand something we fear it and um it rings true to everything um that we go through in life as well so how did you get into music i mean it's it's you showcases a little bit in the movie uh from your side now could you tell us how you got into music Uh, for me i got into music uh, it started from school because um, I was at a boarding school and uh, my school had a lot of activities happening. There were clubs, a lot of activities, and my interest just started in music. I used to listen to music a lot. I used to love music. I used to go to watch people sing, concerts. So it just it started at school, and I learned how to play guitar when I was at school. I joined the school choir, and uh, I started playing instruments. So it started as an interest at school. But like every boy and every young, talented person, is told when you're at school they'll tell you no 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 you're wasting your time first complete school this music is taking you nowhere so there was that resistance i couldn't do much because of school and because of i didn't receive much encouragement at school because uh, people felt even my parents felt like i would you know it was just waste my time so when i completed school uh, that was in 2004 that is when i became serious with music that is because now um i just wanted to do music full time and there was no reason why my parents or my friends would discourage me because I had completed school. So when I completed school, that's when I started, decided to do music professionally. I had to shift from Copper Belt to Lusaka because by then Lusaka had the most opportunities for music, more studios, more radio stations, many musicians lived in Lusaka. So I thought, you know what, uh, I need to go to Lusaka as well. So I had to shift from Copper Belt to Lusaka. Uh, it took me a number of years, up to about four years 
in 2008, that is when I finally succeeded in music. So I met a certain businessman who um, invested in my talent. And uh, we worked together in that studio. They produced my first album. I was the new kid on the block. My name was everywhere. It just happened as I was, it was really my strong passion. I really wanted to be a musician. And to me, it was just a dream come true when it happened. Wow. How was that feeling, you know? Because just looking at the, the movie, you are shy. And at least if that's true, from what the movie is showcasing, how, how much of the percentage, first of all, before I go into this question, is true? of the movie? About 90% is true. So much of it is true. Oh, lovely. Uh, I mean, I know that they have to add some things in there. It's um, 90% is a big percentage. So you were shy and then all of a sudden now you are a superstar in the country. How were you able to handle that? Uh, it was it was a very interesting moment for me. It was It is one of the most exciting times I'll never forget because it is a shift from negative. Mm. It is a time when I was crossing the bridge from the other side where I was being blamed. Now I'm going to the other side where I'm appreciated, where I'm loved. It was strange. It was, I was very anxious. I was overwhelmed. Uh, it was just quite a very interesting moment. Uh, one thing I remember, some of the highlights is that um, people, when they listen to my music, they just forget about my condition. They don't care about me having albinism. They'll just dance to the music. They'll come and hug me. They'll come and be with, they want to be with me. And I was like, okay, this is very interesting because yesterday, these are the same people who are calling me names. These are the same people who are bullying me. But now they are on the dance floor, dancing to the music, you no, know, hanging around with me. So it is. it was quite strange. And also the other highlight is the my family, the consideration to my family because I proved a point. Now here comes my parents. Now here comes my relative to say, ah, he's our brother, he's our cousin. Yeah, so you see all those things. Now they are proud of me because uh, I am a star. So that reconciliation also challenged them to say, just some time ago, I was no one to them. Mm-hmm. So, so that that reconciliation. So actually, I was growing up as a very shy boy, but music, uh, through music, I was I started getting my confidence because when I look at people accepting me, people dancing for music, people calling for my name. I mean, I'm, I've gone to a concert and I'm only a few minutes later and people are making noise. We want John City, we want to is John City. I'm like, hey, is it really me they want? I was very surprised. How can the whole world want me? Me, I'm nothing. Me, I'm a case. So it was it was just a very interesting moment for me to be to be loved, to be accepted, to be celebrated. I mean, to be ah, it was it was it was a very very emotional, but something that I'll never forget because that feeling is just a good feeling. This is all I ever wanted when I was young. I just wanted someone to accept me. I wanted my parents to accept me. I wanted my friends to play with me. That is all I wanted all these years. And then it happened that I'm accepted. I'm celebrated. It was just a very good feeling. I wish it came earlier. I wish it happened when I was born. But either way, after I had achieved this music, then the things that I was just imagining started happening. It was quite a very nice experience. Wow. I um I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine um having gone through a lot of challenges and then um, the whole world celebrating you and we continue to celebrate you, your music, and now you are on one of the biggest stages in the world. Netflix, everybody has access to it. And uh for anyone listening, we are talking about Can You See Us, the movie inspired by our guest John Titi. Talking about relationships and reconciliation, how is your relationship with your father? 
father. The relationship is okay. We reconcile. We reconciled um, way way back uh, when I when I achieved the music. That was a time when we reconciled with my family. The relationship is okay. But I must say that um, right now I have my own family. I am married. I have uh, two boys, so I have my own family. I'm not staying with my parents, and I've settled in Lusaka. That's why I'm staying with my own family. Yes. And uh, my, my father, my sisters, my my stepmother, they are still there. They are still in the copper belt. We visit each other, and uh, relationship is okay at the moment. Um, being rejected from uh, the t- the time you were a baby, how has that affected you being a Father. It's it's very emotional to me because the only question I ask myself is why didn't my parents feel what I feel for my children? Because for me, when I the moment my children, my children were born, the first born, the second born, I mean there is just I don't know, I can't explain it, the love, the connection, which is there. The way I feel about my children, ah, I mean, I can't explain it. So the only question I ask myself is, how come, how can someone not feel like this for their own child? I don't understand it. I don't understand. I don't understand. When I look at uh, men or women who reject their children, your own child, mm-hmm. I don't understand how can people not feel this? It's very strange to me because the way I feel about my children, I wish someone felt like this or on me, but I just don't understand how people can just ignore that. I don't understand whether people choose to feel like this or not, but it's just a very strange thing that that the love that I have with my children, I hope and I wish it could be there. I wish it was there uh, for me when I was young. Children are definitely the most amazing people. Um, uh, I have children myself and uh, I cannot imagine that. And um, they are the, I think, I can't even explain the feeling when you have your children. So I can definitely relate Uh, the love, the unconditional love that they give to their parents um, it's undeniable um you are involved in the urbanism community and uh, you have an association I, I believe an organization as well yes and actually I founded to I First of all, let, let's ring some bells here. So uh, when we talk about music, I I am the first person with albinism to come out in the limelight through music. So before yes. me, there was no person with albinism in the limelight. There was no. And then when I came out, I was the first one of my kind. And people were shocked, like, hey, so we have people like this. So that is that is that is a achievement. But the other achievement is that when I was there, I realized that I was not the only one. My story is very similar to many people with albinism. Many of them have been rejected. Many many of them have gone through discrimination. Mm. So when I was interacting with them, they were telling me the same stories. I was rejected. So I was thinking, oh, so this problem is not only for me. So I founded an organization uh, called Albinism Foundation of Zambia. So I am the founder. And I formed this organization when I was uh, at my peak, when I was an uh, uh, established musician. So I could even use my own resources to finance the organization. So that organization is there. It is the first albinism organization as well in Zambia. And today it has so many branches, so many members, it has helped a lot of people. So I'm encouraging anyone, you have a child with albinism, uh, go register your child with Albinism Foundation of Zambia and see how they can be supported. Or you want to support people with albinism in Zambia, can uh, support them through this organization because it is there, it has registered a lot of members, it is doing a lot of programs on albinism issues. Amazing. What type of 
um, um, I guess, help do you provide for others uh, with urbanism? Like what type of resources? I mean, that, that's what I, that's the word I'm looking for. What type of resources? Uh, we do support them uh, in education. We do sponsor them. We have a number of them who are vulnerable. They have been rejected. We sponsor them in uh, education. Some of them we look for sponsors for them. Others, it is us who sponsor them direct. We do empower women, especially single mothers. Those uh, mothers who have been left by their husbands because they gave birth to a child with albinism. Mm -hmm. And they have been abandoned by their family because they have brought shame. Everyone is blaming them for giving birth to a child with albinism. Uh, we do empower them, such women, because we know that when we empower a woman, you are empowering the, the, the child. So we do have those kind of programs. We do offer counseling, uh, inspiring them, because just like me, they have, they, 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 they when they are coming, they are very low self-esteem. They don't have confidence themselves. They have gone through a lot. And when they come, we are like a family. We start changing their mindset, teaching them to accept their condition and uh, making them to be positive. So we do a lot of counseling, counseling to people with albinism, just to help them accept and live with their condition. Apart from that, we do awareness because we know that many of the challenges come because people don't understand the condition. So we have a lot of uh, programs on the media, uh, documentaries, interviews, community awareness programs where we just teach people about what albinism is. We allow people to ask us questions. We go to communities in local languages. People want to learn. Uh, how can me, I'm a black person, how can I have a white child? We try to break down that information to a layman's language, to someone who has never been to school, to make them understand how possible is it that they can have this child. And, and the good thing is that now we have icons like John Chitty. So people can just look at look on TV and say, hey, that is John Chitty. So yeah. it was harder for me because uh, there was no one to look up to. So for me, it was self-motivation. Um, I had to motivate myself. But but now people can simply say, hey, there is John Chitty, he's a musician, he's a commissioner for the police, he is now on Netflix, he's what, what. All these things are there to inspire someone so that when they have a child with albinism, they should have hope that this child can grow up and be like John Chitty, or this child can even be more than John Chitty. So they are there uh, to just inspire them. So these are the lot of activities happening at the organization. Our organization has opened even branches in other provinces, especially rural areas. And we do have programs where we collaborate raising awareness and also following up on issues so it's there to engage government to advise government where they are doing fine where they should improve so all those things is there and the organization is doing very well that's amazing truly truly amazing um in the education sector there's a lot of i mean bullying that happens to um kids with urbanism what are you guys doing in the education sector to help children going through urbanism uh to protect them. Yeah, we, we do raise awareness in schools because there's a lot of bullying. So education, uh, educating schools, teachers and people on albinism. Uh, for example, when we have members who go to a certain school, we do engage that school to help them understand what albinism is and advise the school. For example, uh, people with albinism because melanin lacks in the skin, the hair and the eyes. So because melanin is lacking in the eyes, people with albinism have uh, low 
uh, short-sighted, a short-sighted vision. So yeah. in schools, a child with albinism uh, won't be able to read on the board. So we do engage teachers to make them understand that this child cannot read on the board. It's not because the child is dumb, it's because of the sight problem. So we give them uh, some of the things they can do. Like, please, can you allow this child to sit in front of the classroom? Or can you allow this child to, to have her own book so that the child is able to, to read properly? So we do engage schools uh, to collaborate on education and encouraging them on the measures they should take when they have children with albinism. And we speak against bullying. So when our members complain to us that they are being bullied at school, we target that school and engage the school, engage the administration, engage pupils so that the bullying uh, stops. So we do engage them and uh, uh, we do have programs at that school. So we have a number of uh, uh, programs in education to make sure that people with albinism have access to education and they have the education like everybody else. Thank you. Um, Mr. Chiti, I can talk to you all day because I do have a lot of, lot of questions. I truly just wanted to bring on here for us to um, continue the conversation. Yes, we see the movie, but also we want to see, um, I wanted to hear and learn uh, more about your story and what you are doing for the community because the movie speaks to us, it says it all. Um, there's so much to learn. And if you haven't seen the movie, again, trust me, you won't be disappointed. It's, it's super inspirational. Um, the cast is amazing. Thank you to the directors. Thank you to you, Mr. Chitty, for your story, for, for being so giving of your story and uh, for what you're doing for all of us. Because it's not only for uh, people experiencing urbanism, it's to teach us how to be humans, to be more accepting of each other. Um, having said that, you have had a lot of success. You are a commissioner now. Um, do you feel you found your concrete pastures? Oh, yes. I think if I was to die today, I would really celebrate that I've achieved uh, and I've found uh, my, my vision has come to pass. So mm. really, I have. And um, I'm very happy with what I've achieved. Um, let, let me also even add something. I said last year, I received a point of light award um, and this award was coming all the way from UK and it oh, wow. was signed by the late Queen Elizabeth II. It was it was one of the last things she signed before she died. So she signed an award and uh, worldwide I was recognized and I have in my house a certificate signed by the late Queen Elizabeth II uh, where she was just recognizing my works and my contribution in the disability sector. So I am really proud of myself. I'm really happy with that what I've achieved. Congratulations. And, uh, no, really, really thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And, 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 and since I still have life, I'll keep on dreaming. I'll keep on achieving. Mm. As long as I'm, I still have the chance to live, I'll keep on achieving even more. So what's next? Do we continue this story? Uh, what's next in the music industry? I, um, I, I love the soundtrack, by the way. It, it's just true to the movie as well um Nikala Chabe for anyone uh, that doesn't understand could you translate for us please yeah Nikala Chabe is a song that I've done and it just says that uh, it's just the color of albinism uh, people like anyone else so what next I have, I have a lot of projects going on because even this movie has brought a lot of opportunities there are people contacting me there are a lot of collaborations happening right now in the background so you'll be seeing a lot of things from my music perspective but 
also from the movie industry because I've been introduced in the movie uh, industry. So a lot of projects are happening right now. So just keep on following and keep on supporting. Otherwise, uh, a lot of things are happening. Uh, I'll be I'll be raising albums and also I'll be doing a lot of projects uh, like this. So really, a lot of things are happening right now, and I just look forward to achieving even more. Beautiful. Um, how can we support you? Um, how can people contribute to your organization? Um, any social media handles that you would like to share or website? Oh, yes. So for, for those who'd like to follow me, uh, to follow my music or to, to interact with me, you can follow me on social media. Facebook page is John Chitty Music or uh, YouTube is John Chitty Jesse. Uh, Instagram. So I'm everywhere. TikTok, you know, this social media, you just search for my name or even if you just Google me, you find my information is there. And if you want to support the organization, you can uh, give a donation through our website, which is uh, albinismawareness.com. So there we have a platform where if you want to give a donation or a contribution, or you want to check out our programs, we also have a Facebook page uh, called Albinism Zambia, and uh, people there can interact with us. And and if you are in Zambia, you want to come and visit our office, you are in Lusaka, white offices in Lusaka, we'll be very, very happy to welcome you to our office and just interact with you, see our members. I want to thank my girl, uh, Jacqueline. She actually the one that introduced me. She's uh, part of the Zambian organization of urbanism uh, and pigmentation organization in Zambia. She, um, the one that introduced me to actually get a better understanding on the organizations that you are involved in and her as well. Uh, it's really a great initiative. Thank you for everything that you are doing. I'll use one of the affirmations from the movie. You, sir, are powerful. Thank you for showcasing your story with us, for sharing your story with us. And uh, thank you for putting Zambia and urbanism on the map for all of us to learn and be inspired. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. Yes, it's, it's been an honor, sir. Thank you. That's it on today's episode. It's truly an honor to serve each and every dreamer. Concrete Patches now provides targeted services to dreamers coming to the US of A. We assist you to successfully integrate. We are here to support you as you write your new chapter. Kindly check out our services in the link tree. Until next time, keep dreaming. Yeah.